gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable to you through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. I think one of the greatest fears among the elderly, besides the loss of independence, would be the fear of falling. And those two things really go together because something as simple and yet as complicated as a fall can lead to the loss of independence. But falls are not limited to the elderly. About 20 years ago, I was running backward on a running track. And now, don't, don't ask me why I'm running backward. Okay? It's, it's dumb. It was dumb. And I'm going pretty fast, running backward. And then I did something dumber. I decided to, in one motion, turn around and change directions and run forward without stopping. Now, if I was going slower, I think I could have done it, but going as fast as I was, I couldn't. And I, I, I hit the asphalt really hard. And I stove in my shoulder, you know, broke the collarbone, banged my head on the, on the pavement. And uh, a woman uh, seated nearby watching this said, that was really dumb. Well, that didn't make me feel any better, but it was true. It was uh, pretty dumb. And often when we fall, uh, not always, but often when we fall, it's because we're doing something that, in looking back, we probably should not have done. Now, that's true when you fall physically, and it's also true when you fall spiritually. And yes, you can stumble and fall spiritually even more easily than you can fall physically. In fact, you can suffer a serious spiritual fall without even getting up out of your chair. And there are many ways to stumble spiritually, and our gospel lesson for this morning illustrates one. I direct your attention to page 8 of the bulletin. The first three or four verses, let's look at those quickly. Jesus went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. That's what disciples do, right? They follow behind. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Now, now notice what followed. Five questions. And these five questions are, are really, given the context, they're very negative questions. Okay? Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Literally in the Greek, they stumbled and fell. They, 
They stumbled so as to fall. That's what that word in the Greek means. It's to stumble so as to fall concerning him. Verse 4, And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. Now, now notice the kind of the concentric circles here. The hometown is the larger circle. And among his relatives, that would be a narrower circle. And in his own household, that would be the smallest concentric circle. Even his family at this stage did not believe in him. And we saw earlier in the gospel, several weeks ago in our gospel lesson, the family thought he was out of his mind. They were coming to take charge of him, to take control of him, in other words. And this had to be uh, a great trial for our Lord, the opposition of those closest to him. So, Roman numeral one on page nine of the bulletin. We stumble spiritually now over what we already know. What we already know, our preconceptions are formed by what we already know. And the people of Nazareth, they already know Jesus. They know him as the carpenter. They know him as the son of Mary. They know him as the brother of James and the others. And they can't get past that. They can't get past it. In other words, they're saying in so many words, who does he think he is? He's clearly not the Messiah type. He's no better than the rest of us. He doesn't qualify for this office. What they already know about his humble background overshadows, it, it eclipses what he's actually doing and saying in front of them. That's how powerful what they already know looms in their minds. Letter A. When someone or something becomes familiar, when something or someone becomes familiar, we stop paying attention to it. That's just our nature. And marriage partners are especially vulnerable to this because husbands and wives become very familiar with one another. And familiarity is like a thief. It has a way of taking someone who's very precious to us, our partner, and then making him or her seem very common, very uninteresting. Now, that's not true, but that's what familiarity can do. And the same caution applies to God's Word. Familiarity is the enemy of listening, it's the enemy of observation. Consider the Christmas gospel from Luke chapter 2. We read it every Christmas Eve. You know, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed, and each one returned to his own home to be registered, so on and so forth. You heard the story, and we already know it. We've heard it before. We've heard it so many times that we don't really attend to the hearing of it. truth is, 
there's more to that text and every gospel lesson than what we know. There's more to that text than we could ever know in many lifetimes. But we become familiar with it and we turn our attention elsewhere. We don't really listen anymore. This is true even of our Lord Jesus himself. He's the word made flesh. There's always more to him that we don't know than what we do know, and yet we think we know. We already know him. We can attend to other things. We've got that base covered. But there's more to him than what we could ever know. And there's much about him that we need to be reminded of, especially his grace and his mercy. Letter B. Jesus' family sees only the carpenter, only the son of Mary, and so on. They do not see the Savior. My friends, the greatest obstacle to faith is not the failure of Christ to reveal himself, but our unwillingness to receive what he's revealing. The problem is not with him. The problem is with us. If he's not getting through to us, it's because what we already know of him or what we already think of him is getting in the way. And so the solution, Roman numeral two, repent. Repent now. Letter A, now we are Jesus' family. We are his family. Remember what he said in Mark chapter 3, who are my mother and my brothers? Looking around at his disciples, he said, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother and my sister and my brother. We are now his family. And we know him as the one crucified for our sins and raised for our justification. We know him as our kinsman redeemer, and he knows us as his redeemed. We know him as our good shepherd, and he knows us as his sheep. We know him as the true vine. He knows us as his own branches. We know him as our brother and our Lord, and he knows us as his true eternal family. But now that we are his family, we also can stumble and fall into the familiarity trap. So, letter B. Are we also guilty of what we already know about Jesus? Are we guilty of that? Well, they say familiarity breeds contempt. Do you ever think, consciously or subconsciously, I've already learned about Jesus in parochial school. I already know about the Lord's Supper. I've been through catechism. I already know the Lord. I don't need to be present when my brothers and sisters gather in his name. You know, I can still be part of the family of God even though I routinely absent myself from it. 
Is that you? Do you think that way? Do you act that way? Has Christ become so familiar that you feel you can safely ignore him, his word, his body and blood? Well, the Lord has a word for you, and that word is repent. Repent. And I don't mean repent tomorrow or next month or next year. Planned repentance is no repentance at all. A plan to repent tomorrow is a refusal to repent today. And today is all that you and I have. We don't have tomorrow promised to us. Today is all we have. Repentance is today, or it's not. My friends, throughout the Gospel of Mark, the theme is repent, for the kingdom of heaven has arrived. It's at hand. It's staring you in the face. The message is not repent because the kingdom will be here soon. The message is repent because the kingdom's already arrived. The king has already arrived. He is present now. He's present now in word and in sacrament. And, and the way you respond to him and to his word, to his sacraments, reveals something about your readiness and your eagerness to meet him on the last day. It says something about that. And so repent now. Return to the Lord today. All able-bodied people, and I, I emphasize able-bodied people, should return to his body, the church. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. What has he commanded? Well, among other things, take, eat. This is my body given for you. Drink of it, all of you. This is my blood of the New Testament shed for you, for the forgiveness of sin. Love one another as I have loved you. And I want someone to explain to me how you can love those whom you never take the time to see. How does that work? My friends, there are many ways to stumble and to fall. And this is one. Letter C. We all stumble. We all stumble and fall. James 3, verse 2 says, We all stumble in many ways. He's writing to Christians. But the Lord restores. The Lord lifts up those who have fallen. In Matthew 9, well, it's in, it's in Mark 2 as well. Jesus is teaching in a house and a paralyzed man is lowered on a mat in front of him. You can't get in or out of the house. There's so many people there. So these guys tear the roof apart. They lower this man down in front of Jesus and seeing their faith, not just his faith, 
But their faith, what does Jesus say? He says, my son, your sins are forgiven you. And immediately the Pharisees get their knickers in a twist and, and, and they start objecting. This man is blaspheming, you know. <laughs> Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knows their thought. And so he asks this question, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat, and go home? Uh, the answer is obvious. It's easier to say your sins are forgiven because that statement cannot be falsified, okay? It can't be proven wrong. It can't be proven right. <laughs> Unless the Lord does what he does next. And he says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he looks at the paralytic and he says, I say to you, son, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man does that, you see. The one who has authority to do that has authority to do the other. And I say to you this morning, what Jesus said to the paralytic, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Don't lie on the pavement any longer. Get up. Walk. My friends, no matter how badly you or I have stumbled, the good news is that our sins have been nailed to the cross in the person of Jesus Christ. God condemns neither you nor me. He condemns our sins in the person of Jesus. The Lord created us to stand. That's a spiritual term. When I talk about standing now, I'm talking spiritually, standing before God, forgiven and washed and clean. The Lord created us to stand and to walk, not to stumble and to fall. He designed us to live vertically on our feet, not horizontally, face down. Throughout Scripture, the Christian life is characterized by standing, not falling. It's characterized by movement, not by immobility. And that's why Jesus says, follow me, follow me. And you can't do that lying face down on the floor, unforgiven. You must be forgiven to be lifted up. And forgiven you are by the grace of God. My friends, the risen Lord comes into our presence every Lord's day. And he's present for you. He's present to lift you up and to assure you that you are his forgiven child. The psalmist has written, the Lord lifts up all who have fallen. He raises up all who have been brought low. We all stumble. We all fall in many ways. But Jesus is greater than our stumbles. He's greater than our falls. And he says to you and to me today, rise and walk and follow me. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.